We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. That's it. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macker with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Um, as you know, hey, listen, uh, emergency podcast, right? Break up the Knicks. Uh, they, man, it's a good thing. It's only 10 teams in the play in or in the playoffs or in the postseason, whatever you want to call it, because if it were 11, they'd have to. They'd ha- Benji, let me introduce our guest, Benji Ridholtz. Hello, Ben. How are you? Hey, John. I'm doing great. How are you what, doing? What, what do you think? The, the Knicks would be co-favorites with the, the Bucks and maybe the Suns and I don't know if, if they were to get into this dance. The rest of the league just should be just really thankful. They're on their way. Look, they're uh, they're playing really good ball at a, although irrelevant time, uh, they're playing teams that care, right? That's the thing. It's they're not yeah. playing teams. Including tanking. Detroit, by the way. No, Detroit's good right now. Yeah. Detroit's playing yeah. good basketball. They've been good. And like they're beating teams that are trying to win. So it's not like an end of season garbage. It's like, no, they're just playing good basketball. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, I don't think we've ever talked about this before. Are you one of these people that like, I, I shouldn't say it like that. Cause that derides the people who have this opinion and it's a valid opinion. Are you, a, are you one of the folks that laments the, ta- the upsetting the tanking standings? No, no, but I, I recognize that I might be wrong. Like I, me too. <laughs> I can't, I can't, root for it. I can't accept it. I think the incentive structure is like a disgrace and a, a black mark on the league um, that, that you have five or six teams that are purposely trying to lose. It goes against everything that I like believe in uh, like in competitive sports. Um, so I will never root for it. Also, we've seen enough of it in 10, 15 years of watching Knicks basketball. I, I just, I, I'd much rather watch what we're watching now and see development and see players growing before our eyes and hoping that that carries over more than a increase in draft lottery equity, whatever you want to say. I, 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 but I recognize that I might be wrong and short-sighted, but that is how I feel. <laughs> yeah. But that recognition, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but briefly on this, I do think it's an interesting discussion that I never feel like I have correctly. Um, which sounds like we're of the same mind there. It's you only feel like you're wrong. Like the only reason you feel that way is because like inevitably some team will get the superstar player with whatever pick they wind up getting. But like there now needs to be a a significant, not a a decent amount of luck involved because like, if you're the Rockets and you're going to finish with the third worst record, guess what? It's not crazy that you're going to get the sixth pick anymore, which like, imagine if you're the Rockets and you went through this shit show of a season watching Kevin Porter fucking junior jack up. God knows what shots he's putting up, you know, and you, <laughs> you know, and you wind up with like the sixth pick in the draft, which is not inconceivable at all, you know? And then if you get the first or second or third pick, you got to hope you draft the right guy, which is like, go, you look every year and it's like someone in one of those top selections like winds up with, Marvin Bagley, or I don't know why he's, I feel bad that that's the name that came to my mind, but like, you know, someone of that ilk. So, um, 
I don't mind. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and you go through the historical record as, as we all have and look at how tanking teams have done, whether they succeeded. And it's, I think it's a, it's, it's complex, but I do feel like if we're being 100% honest, um, the, like you do need that player and, and it's the best way to get it. Like it really does come down to that. And again, I recognize it intellectually. Um, but I, everything else in me tells me that this yeah. is more valuable. And I, 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 it's a dissonance for me. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not convinced that I'm right, but I yeah. can tell you that I'm a much happier person, basketball analyst, uh, you know, watching what we're watching now than I would be if we were just, uh, I don't even know what tanking would look like, I guess, shutting down half the roster and playing, I don't know, Julius 40 minutes a game, maybe, but I don't know. I, <laughs> oh, man, I could go in a number of different directions after that. Um, here's the one I'm going to pick. You said you're not convinced that you're right. Um, someone who I think is convinced that they're right. Mm. Decent amount of the time is a head coach, of the New York Knicks. Um, as you may have heard, I, even though it was aimed at me, basically calling like me an idiot. Um, I adored it because of reasons that have nothing to do with Tibbs or quite frankly, basketball. That's, those are my own issues. Um, the reason I, I actually, I, I like it is because there are a lot of people with a lot of takes who, you know, probably don't know as much as Tom Thibodeau. You, I am just going to say, I think are one of the exceptions. No, um, you do. You, that's you know, too kind, but thank uh, you. It's what I believe. Again, I could be wrong. I'm wrong about a lot of stuff, especially since I don't watch the film on you three times, Benji. Um, <laughs> No, but I, I, you know what you're talking. I mean, look, any anybody who has sees your Twitter thread or anything like that knows, you know what you're looking for. When you heard Tibbs' comments after the game, were you were you offended by that? Were you bothered by it? I mean, just what what your what was your takeaway? No, I, I didn't have much of a takeaway. I, he's an old school guy. He's you might say that a very stubborn guy. I. I don't expect him to look at Twitter one way or another. I hope he's not looking at it. I hope he's not gaining anything from it. I, I, and I say, I, I think the same for the players. Like, and I know they all see everything. RJ uh, said as much. He's like, we, yeah, he, he said I, it without saying it. He's like, we, you know, yeah. And, and I, and it's, it's, a, that's part of, part of modern life and part of being an athlete in today's day and age. But like, you need to be mentally strong enough to ignore that stuff and just do your own thing. And like, you can look at it, engage with it. Um, I hope you're not learning from it. Like, I, I think I have some good things to say, but if I were coaching the New York Knicks, I would say them very differently than I do, um, <laughs> on Twitter, you know, like it, it's just the, the, the kind of the, the medium and what it is like, I, uh, Tibbs should, uh, you know, like whether we, what he said was like in the best taste or like, you know, kind of, it's like the most boomer thing ever. Like what that's Tibbs. And like, it is what it is. And I, we all yeah. knew who he was when he came. We all knew who he was last year. And we all knew who he is. We all know who he is this year. So it yeah. didn't change my, didn't change my perspective or opinion of him or, um, or anything like that. I didn't take, I honestly, I didn't take much from it I, at all. It just kind of is who he is. I'm with you, but I've, I just wanted to ask, cause it's been something of a hot button issue. Um, and I'm very pleased with the response. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of the players because there's some good stuff going on with this team right now. I feel like the appropriate place to start is with Emmanuel quickly, but I'm going to hold off on that for a second, just because I want to make sure we get in an RJ discussion here. Um, and that is selfishly uh, on my part, because I have a newsletter coming out on Wednesday um, when this when this podcast, wait, no, what's today? I've lost track of time. What is today? Is, is today Tuesday? Okay. So the newsletter, is the newsletter is coming out tomorrow on Wednesday or today as you're listening to this. And it's in regards to RJ uh, and his contract extension and his potential contract extension, which does not need to be reached this summer. Um, and if you look back through history, I, I, this is probably an overgeneralization, but I would say that players that are in RJ's caliber uh, in terms of what they've done through three years. Don't always, don't always get the extent like that. It's not always agreed to after three years. Um, sometimes it is. And where I've kind of come down on this at this point, and I'm going to, I want your, your take on this and then we'll expand upon it is like, 
at this point, I feel like we've now seen, this is three months. We know like the driving, the getting the shots at the rim, the offensive rebounds that come from that, the getting to the line, you're shooting 72% from the, from the lines. Like that's not bad. Like making the easy pass most of the time, you know, occasionally making the hard pass, like all that stuff is there. I don't think any of that's going anywhere. The, there is still no uh, pull-up game to speak of. For me, that's kind of become my like, is he definitely going to be worth the max or it, like, is he going to, you know, be like a guy you give the max to, but like in the end, at the end of the day, I I'm starting to lean more towards like, look, whether he's a max guy or not a max guy, he's shown enough that I am comfortable enough giving him that money. So that we'll, we'll start there. We'll, we'll, then we'll you know go forward. Yeah. Um, I am not convinced he's a max guy, um, but I also don't, there's, there's like what you need to give him and, and what he means to the franchise no. and kind of investing in, in a character and a player that you, um, that you like that you drafted third, especially in the context of this franchise and the, <laughs> the, the amount of players they have not signed after their, after their rookie deal. Um, and that all goes into this decision. I, I, you know, I think they're going to sign him um, and it's going to be probably a negotiation towards the top of that range as to what he gets. Do you um, think they will sign him this summer if you had to place your betting yes, chip? I think there will okay. be urgency to, to do this, to move, yes, to move the ball forward in a sense. Okay. Um, now, <laughs> I don't have any, as you know, I have no reporting. I haven't spoken to anybody, but I just, it seems like, the the way the the way the coaching staff has adjusted and he has the ball and the way he's being kind of um propped up i think even by like social media the franchise like there is a concerted effort here to like this is the face of our team yeah um and maybe that has to do with julius's kind of decline um but also i think there is i think they're invested in him i do and i and rightfully so now whether I don't know. I, you know, I, I haven't read your newsletter yet. I wonder if a name that you, that you consider talked about is Andrew Wiggins. He is the primary yeah. name that is featured in the piece. Right. So I think there are a lot of similarities. I've looked at the numbers. Um, I know Wiggins is certainly a better finisher at the rim than RJ is, was ever has been. Um, Andrew Wiggins shot selection is worse. So he took a lot of long twos his whole career in Minnesota. Um, and there was all there. And, and the biggest thing with Wiggins is there was a question as to his drive and his motivation and his, whether he can be the face of a franchise in that sense, um, which RJ doesn't have. Um, and that all factors in, but you know, in terms of a inefficient wing player, uh, Canadian, uh, there are a lot of similarities to speak of and Wiggins got the max and I don't think he's played. I mean, they had to, they moved him. Right, because he didn't play up to it, and I think he was I think an albatross. He's an I mean, I, I I know they got the guy that they wanted to get for him, but they also gave up a pretty good draft pick to get yeah. that. That and, guy. and I, I look, I know New York Knicks fans are not going to be happy hearing those two names juxtaposed, but the reality but, is what it is in terms of no, the numbers. They, Benji, I'm gonna stop you for a second. They don't need to be happy. This isn't us being like, oh, R.J. Barrett and Andrew Wiggins. It's our opinion that these two players should be discussed in the same breath after their third years. Just go look up the numbers. Right. Just, all you have to do is go. And I'm not even talking about like one or two numbers. Like, OK, here's something. Andrew Wiggins was getting to the line like six and a half times a game after his, during his third year. Like He was fucking living at the free throw line. He was hitting a decent percentage of those two higher percentage than R.J. is hitting right now. You know, the assists were nothing to speak of. He was averaging like 2.3 assists um, per game, playing obviously a lot of minutes. But guess what? On the year, RJ's at 2.9. You know, so it's, you know, we're not talking about someone who the play, like now, I think there was a, a different conversation to be had about how much do you put into pre December 31st and then post December 31st, because that I think has a lot to do with it. Um, and also, like to what you were saying, there is just a feel that you get from how RJ goes about his business, where you feel like there is not going to be a regression. And if anything, there's going to be a, a progression, but like, I, I, I had to jump in there because like anybody who hears that and is like, Oh, that's absurd. It's, it's not absurd. Just go look, no. literally go look at any numbers you want to look at. No. And I think there's a similarity in terms of what, well, there's a large, 
there's a big difference between New York and Minnesota uh, in terms of locale. I, I think there is a similarity in a desperation to finally have a guy to build around, which, you know, neither team before, you know, pre Wiggins, it was Garnett um, pre RJ Barrett. It was. Were Ewing? I don't know. Who's the last I mean, guy they drafted who they built around, truly built I around? Mean, K, I, I think KP deserves to be in the discussion. Yeah, that, that's fair. But, you Which know, went, either way, there's, there's certainly... And the fact, right, but how that ended, there's certainly a desperation from the franchise to just have a piece to start with, and they haven't yeah. had it. And I think that's going to drive some of the negotiation. And I think RJ probably knows it. His representation probably knows it. And they will, that's, you know, that's the business side of it. And, and it's, but I, it's not a home run. Like it's not simple. It's not, this isn't a player who has, even with this second half, who has proven beyond the shadow of a doubt that he is a max player. There's not, it's not guaranteed that it will look good in two, three years from now. Um, There should be hesitation um, and I, I, as much as I've enjoyed watching this version of RJ Barrett, and we've spoken a ton about his development and what's gone well and what's still a work in progress. Um, he's still a flawed player. He's not, you know, speak of Wiggins. He's Wiggins is a much smoother, more natural, explosive athlete than RJ is much more. I mean, Wiggins yeah. was an elite athlete coming out of college. So, you know, that was perhaps the thing that was most obvious about him. RJ is never going to have that kind of uh, leaping ability, even the quick twitch stuff. I think Wiggins is superior. Um, what RJ has is a relentlessness, a drive. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's not just an attitude thing. It translates on the floor. Like he's just going to keep coming at you. Defenses have to always account for the fact that he is coming downhill at you and you have to react. And, and there's um, a value in, in having a guy that like come the fourth quarter and look, I'm not saying RJ's always been great in fourth quarters, but you go and you look at his clutch stats in the last five minutes and there really isn't anybody on the Knicks who's doing a whole lot better. No, um, he's coming, he's coming at you. Right. And, yeah. and, and I, I, I think he's a already shown more as a playmaker than Wiggins did, even if the assist numbers are comparable easily. Um, and, and that's, that's a big part essential. of yeah. yes. Um And so, yeah, I think that's probably the right starting point. And I, I, I don't know what number they'll come to, but I do think they will, they will sign him. And if it's at the max and that's all that RJ will accept, maybe that's where they end up, but it's uh it's nerve wracking. Although I will be happy to root for that guy for the next X amount of years. Once the deal is done. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like, in my, like, you know, you, have, you, you were talking about the, the tank stuff. It's like, you have your, your, your basketball core as the person who's been watching the sport for a very long time. And it's like, let's say they sign RJ to the max in my core. I will be like, okay, it's a lot of money. It's probably too much money. I'm okay with it. I'm like legitimately okay with it. Right. I'm not worried about where, where that's going to go. Yeah. The only other name that I have in the piece is, is Jalen Brown, who is, I think where the Knicks would, if they had their druthers would love to get him on that deal, which was essentially like 83, 84% of the max for four years and not five years. So, um, you know, it doesn't sound like a big drop, but it's like, you know, it's it's a difference. Um, and and my, what I'm going to I'll spoil my piece. I'm gonna, if I'm Bill Duffy, who's RJ's agent, I'm going to hold up Jalen Brown's thirty year stats of like thirteen points a game and you know like one point whatever assists. I'm going to be like, yeah, that's that's not happening. So we'll, we'll see. Right, what happens. right. It's an interest. That's also an interesting contrast though, because yeah. Jalen Brown could could walk into uh, Danny Ainge's office and say, "Here's what you got: an elite defensive wing." Yep. And a guy who's going to make catch and shoot threes. I don't remember what he shot that year, but if I remember, I think he was already shooting the ball well. Or am I, am it was I on, on catch. I looked it up earlier today. It's funny you asked. On catch and shoots, I think he was at like, it was close to 35%, but on good oh, volume. Not great. Okay. I mean, yeah, so they had you, to bet on, they did have to be, bet on that a little bit, but yeah, but they had to the bet on a little bit. Yeah. You saw the outline of an elite three and D player at the very least. Yes. Um, and you're betting on further development. With RJ, it's, it is a little more complicated. And obviously he's shown more as a primary player and he's gotten that opportunity to be that. Um, but I don't think you can walk into uh, Leon Rosal and say, hey, you have an elite wing defender here and you have a guy who's going to be an elite catch and shoot player. I don't think you have either of those things. Well, you, you've um, been on the catch and shoot. Actually, I'm not as worried about. But again, that's you're, this gets so complicated because clearly this is not a guy at this point who foresees himself as a guy. No, certainly not. Yeah, but you've been on the defense more than others. I don't want to sit here and trash RJ's defense. It, it hasn't been, it hasn't been great. So that's no, it hasn't. And it, look, it's, it's, it's certainly related to the increase in usage and minutes. The guy's playing, carrying a crazy load right now. Crazy. Um, 
But that said, it's not like I ever thought he was a great defender at any point, even when his usage was down. I think he's okay. I think he's better on the back line than he is at the point of attack. Um, yes. I think he's always been a little bit slow laterally. I don't, he gets beaten pretty often. He doesn't fight through screens great over, you know, when he's guarding the point guard types. Um, He's not Jalen Brown defensively. He probably never will nope. be Jalen Brown defensively. Um, and, and, so. and by the way, Brown was already showing that aptitude by his third season. Oh, yeah. That's season. what that yeah. was what stood out. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, look, I think you're, you're never going to worry about RJ on the defensive end, which I do think has real value. And, and like, mm -hmm. you know, say some of the fact that like when when he needs to get locked in, I, I, I you know, and again, say it with me. He's only 21. Anyway, enough about RJ. I just wanted to get your overall thoughts on that. Let's talk about Emmanuel quickly. Um, yes. So what's our over under for all star games now for quick? We're going <laughs> seven and a half, nine and a half. You know, is he going to be on the top 100 list? Of, it is uh, still definitely 0.5, but I don't know. But I, <laughs> I am, I am certainly uh, not counting it out that he reaches it. I this mean, is just so much fun. I, I, I'm having such a blast watching him. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I said, I, I tweeted this out. I think had he never regained the shooting, I would have come out of the year and said, that was a really healthy developmental year for Emmanuel quickly. Yeah. Now we need the shot to come back so that he becomes like a major offensive threat, like a really difficult to stop offensive player. Uh, the defense was there all year. And while I think it may be overrated a bit at times, cause I, I, even with the wingspan, I think there are certain matchups that are tough for him, but um, he's a really solid defender. He is right now has been since his rookie year. Yep. Um, and it's just a matter of a guy that small who doesn't get to the rim. Like if he's not going to shoot the ball, great. Then he's a, then there's a, just a hard ceiling on what he can be. Uh, it starts with shooting the ball well with him. However, the strides that we saw from summer league on that this guy is now beating people off the dribble, getting into the paint, making passes for secondary reads, tertiary reads like that stuff wasn't there last year. Like nope. last year, it was basically get the guy on my hip floater or lob. He was not making any of these cross court live dribble passes. He made one last night that was absurd. That Which, I never thought he could make. He made it to Obi in the corner. Obi missed. Oh, my goodness. It was a ridiculous yes. pass. He wasn't even in the paint yet. He threw it over two guys right in the pocket. Like that stuff is he, massive developmentally for him. Benji, he heard your text to me. He heard your text to me. I know. So, it was. so uh, uh, <laughs> one of our Michael, Michael Aaron, is he one of the Knicks film school uh, uh, patrons? Uh, if he's not, he, uh, yeah, I'll, well, I'll whoever he is, he tweeted him. at me. He's like, he's like, you know, Donovan Mitchell. That that reminded me of Donovan Mitchell, and I tweeted back. I'm like, I texted Macri that he was wrong that to compare him quickly to Mitchell. As a <laughs> which I want, it's just, just in terms of passing. Which Meanwhile, he just made a pass that looked exactly like the one that I was commenting on Mitchell in the first place. Um, yeah. So like, now the shootings come back, and you're seeing a guy who can who can commandeer an offense and 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 run and and every possession down can make a play and get someone a shot or get himself a shot. I mean. It's massive. So you, you come out after a year of worrying, you come out the other side now and you say, oh, no, this was actually a really successful sophomore year for Manuel quickly. And that's great. What yeah. else could you want? Um, I don't want much else. I, I just I had a, a stat in the newsletter and was earlier this week about this. And I think he's maybe moved up from 22nd to 21st. I'm not going to sit here and count right now, but he's basically he's top 20 ish in pull up attempts uh, this season, which are you know basically self-created another way of saying like self-created three pointers and um, his percentage on those shots is uh 35.2, which if you're listening, you're like, yeah, that doesn't sound great. It's it's, you have to mark down or mark up whatever the terminology is for pull up. And if yeah. you go look at the volume leaders and pull ups this year, that figure that 35 plus percent is like right in the thick of like the best of the best guys. Now his degree of difficulty is not, elite elite but like man the shots he takes are they're not easy shots not um, at all no, no they're not easy at all and and when he when that's a real threat just coming around the screen stopping on a dime the yeah. guy's now trailing you and you can pull up right into that three he had a four-point play like this last night in the first half uh, <laughs> where he got fouled from behind he's loving that, those because he gets a flex after it 
Yes, that makes you so hard to guard if that shot is the real deal. And it is because you've been doing it for two years now. Like you, there's no way to guard that. You screen for the guy. You can screen higher even so that, so that he's stepping into it, but it's still a three. You have to trail him. You can't go under. So you have no. to trail. The big's got to come up because if you don't come up, he's pulling. So we saw him pull last night when the big comes up. Okay, now I'm hitting Jericho Sims or Mitch in the pocket and well, even Mitch is making his plays in the short roll now. Apparently, beat um, us a and, bonus all of a sudden. There you and go. if you and if and if you don't feel like you have the three, okay, well now you have the defender on your hip. You're entering the paint. You're causing rotations, and now all those passes are flaring out. But it all starts with that threat of that pull up three. And and when he's found it again, you're seeing the chain reaction where everything's opening up for him and the whole team as a result. Uh, and it's. Uh, really eye-opening stuff. He is doing some, and you know, the craziest thing is I never thought he'd be a guy that could just beat someone without a screen one-on-one into the paint. And he's yeah. doing that more and more. The last play of the game, uh, the biggest play of the game last night, the Burks three Randall Randall was on the elbow chilling, trying to ask for a post up because he thinks that that's still a successful play because reasons. Yeah. No screen quick. Just beat his man straight to his right. Got into the paint, caused the rotation, found Burks in the corner. Um, again, just like real development, um, encouraging stuff from Emmanuel quickly. Um, yeah, I could sit here and talk about quick all day. Uh, I, I will say that whenever I watch him do something really good or just have a really good game, I I continue now you're in my head, um, about Jalen Brunson and like, (laughs) man, is it, is it, is it worth it to spend that much money on a, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say that they're exactly the same player cause they're not, but like if you're going to spend a lot of money on a guy who's not really a start, like a, a high level starting point guard and is probably better suited for a, a six man role on an elite team. And yet you, you already have one of those guys who, and maybe I'm insulting him by calling him out quickly, you know, a six man on a great team. Cause who the hell, like, look, he, you just talked about, you didn't see him doing these things at any point, And now he's doing them. And it's his second year. We yeah. know he's a worker. Like, I don't know where the ceiling on this kid's going to be. I'm just excited to watch. Um, I'm very curious to see how their decision-making process um, reflects maybe their own internal opinions on, on, on where he could get to. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Those are the two guys I really wanted to hit on. We can hit on a few more. I mean, um, Mitch and Sims, 
they're they've both been fun to watch. Uh, any any thoughts on those guys as we've been watching them the last last few weeks? Um, yeah, I think um, Sims struggled last night. I thought he had a yeah. a, a less disciplined kind of rookie game, which will happen with rookie centers anywhere. Positioning uh, on on pick and rolls like stuff like yeah, that against, rolls, against a tough coverages. team, by the way. Yeah, he was out of position uh, more often, and and there is a tangible difference. While Jericho is a very good offensive rebounder, uh, look, there there aren't Mitchell Robinson is one of a kind. You know, if not, you know, Stephen Adams I know leads him in terms of offensive rebounding on the year, but uh, there's you're not he's elite. Mitchell Robinson is elite in the NBA. He's one of the best in the world at offensive rebounds. So as much as I think Jericho Sims will be a very good offensive rebounder and is already. Uh, look, there's a size difference and Mitch is, Mitch is really unique. Um, and so you see, you feel that drop off, like Mitch really cleans up everything <laughs> and Jericho cleans up some things. Uh, and so there, you know, you do feel that um, I will say Jericho and Tibbs has empowered Sims in the, you know, to he's a little bit more versatile on the defensive end. It's not only drop. I mean, mm-hmm. you're seeing him blitz, you're seeing him double, you're seeing him get to the level of the screen. Um, and Mitch is more of a kind of a standard drop. Not that Mitch can't do those things, but he's a little bit slower of foot. Jericho's got really good foot speed. Uh, and I think Mitch is so good in drop that Tibbs probably just wants to stay where, where it is. And Jericho's not quite there yet. Um, and versatility yeah. on the offensive end too, for as much as the putbacks and lobs are, are big. I, I, I think Sims is the better lob catcher. Is that, is that a hot take? Is that like a... I don't I uh, I don't know if he's a better lob catcher. I will say he's better he has better timing. Both he's he's okay. a better screener and I think he kind of anticipates the route and the and the timing of the role better so that it opens up for him a little bit more often. That make that makes sense. Um but uh but Mitch because of that and it jumps so high. I I think it's close. I think Mitch is um Mitch is really good as a lob catcher, but you're right to point to uh, a little bit more comfortable on the short roll has shown a little power dribble game, Sims, mm-hmm. a little floater game. Uh, and if you can increase the finishing radius by more than three feet, God, that makes a difference. It just opens up different pick and roll possibities. You can throw a pocket pass instead of just a lob and he, and he catches the ball better than Mitch. So like, yes. uh, there are definitely pluses and minuses. I, I don't think I can, Mitch is a better player right now. And I'm, and, and the ceiling for Mitch is just higher because he's such a freakish athlete and his size is so ridiculous and overwhelming. Um, but look, I, I think Sims is going to make this front office think about a little bit. It's a, it's a bit of maybe if they were thinking about letting him go, I think it's a little bit of an easier decision. Yeah. Um, I still think, I think the market is, is going to have so much to. Yeah, I agree. And, and then, and I think Sims either way should play a role. Like I think he should be the backup center next year. I don't, th- yeah. I don't want to see Nerlens Noel anymore. I'll tell you that. So. <laughs> You know, that's a shocker. Where, where is that guy, by the way? Has he been? I, I he feel tired. Even at, is he? Has he? Has he been on the bench? I, I haven't seen his hair. I haven't seen him uh, since he went out the seventeenth time that he got a different injury. So I, don't I know. feel like that. Con- what, what contract has aged worse, the Nerlens Noel contract or the Kemba Walker contract? I don't. It's a rhetorical question. I'm I would say. I think Noel. I would because I. I <laughs> I blame Tibbs for making that a high risk contract to Kemba, even though it shouldn't have been. Yeah. Um, but I totally understood where that was coming from the Kemba signing. Yeah. The second they signed Noel, I said, you can't find a better use for $10 million, whatever they gave him over two, you know, no, it, 10, it was, it was, uh, it was like nine a year for, for two years, essentially. It was, I mean, like I, and everyone was telling me it's movable, whatever. It's just a couple. I'm like, okay, but you can find a different movable guy. That's better than Nerlens Noel. Like I, I didn't understand. They loved the continuity. They, I mean, look, he played, was really good last year. He was I'm really saying, good. I, I, I defend him. And even when he played no. a couple games, he played this year, he made an impact in several, yeah. I, you know, I know the hands are bad. He's a punchline and I, and no, I you, get it. You're not wrong though. You're not he's wrong. an impactful player. I just don't understand. I didn't understand giving him as much money for two years as they did at the time. Yeah, no, because you could you could find guys like that. Um, yeah, I'll be curious to see what they. I mean, I more and more, I'm like, hey, why not? Why not keep both? It just it really is going to come down to the number and how comfortable they are with whatever that number's um, going to have to be. Um, okay, we're 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 nearing the end of our time together, which means we have to um, we we have to we have to talk. We have to talk about. Can we, I wish I wish there was a rule on this podcast. We don't talk about Julius, um, and we should make a little song about it, and maybe it could win an Oscar. Uh, although that that song did not win the Oscar, um, right? It did. 
I think that the no I think the No Time to Die song won the Oscar. I don't know if you're a movie. Did you watch the Oscars? No, I did not watch the Oscars. Do you know I what happened was, at the Oscars? I'm aware of what what occurred okay. and all of the thousands of tweets and memes. There you go. Other things that came out of it, but I did not watch a second of the Oscars. Well, look, there's a lot Sorry, of Andrew. There's a lot of Nick fans who would like to walk onto center court. Um and 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 uh Will Smith, uh <laughs> Will Smith, Julius Randall. Um, I mean, and I, I I purposely haven't brought up Obi because like you know, I, I do think Obi has to do a little bit with like the Julius conversation. And obviously the Julius conversation is not about this year. It is about moving forward. And like, I think really just for every Nick fan, they have to kind of assess their own internal desperation level. Um, a certain, uh, certain, certain well-known Nick fan, I will leave nameless tweet or DM me earlier today. And he's like, it, it is, we've reached ham sandwich time, which is to say, get a ham sandwich for Julius Randall. It, it doesn't matter. Just, just move on from him. Um, and I do think Obi's recent play, I've been very encouraged by it. I do think that it should influence the discussion to a certain extent, but for me, it really does more come down to Julius. Um, where, where are you at right now with this, this beautiful human being? Yeah. So as I, uh, um, basically at the time that we're speaking, there were, unsubstantiated reports from WWE. I, I don't know if you saw it. So I don't know. I, you know, I don't want to lower I the did, reporting standards on here. I I have not heard anything myself. Yeah, yet. but yeah, I will break, say that like break that, some news. Would it shock me? Like, like Carton and he's not, again, he was like in jail like five months ago, but the guy basically said uh, unsubstantiated. I heard that uh, after the game, they saw Julius walk off the court, like as if he had lost uh the championship and uh, instead of celebrating with his teammates and threw the ball and the team, someone representative, I don't know who they didn't say walked over to him in the locker room. And Julius basically said that he wants out um, that he's had enough. They didn't, that they didn't feel the support of the front office during a difficult time. He thought the offense would run through him more, whatever. I have no idea if this is true and it hasn't been reported by anyone who I give, uh, you know, much of a much credence to, but wouldn't shock me. Makes sense based on what I've been watching. For, wait, hold on. Forget not shock you. That would be so in line with ev- with everything we have come to expect from this person. Yeah. Not player, person. From what we could tell from our vantage point. Our vantage point is not in his house, in the locker room, any of those things. But from what we can see, yeah. that would not it's it would just fall so much and that's why i even bring it up because if it it seemed out of line with like what we were seeing i would i wouldn't but it it makes a lot of sense like i wouldn't if 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 begley confirmed it now would you be surprised no not at all um and i i i think i think he's got to go i I think he's got to go i can't talk about this objectively anymore I no. really can't. I've lost the ability to do it. And I feel bad saying that. I feel bad for Randall because I'm I'm like, you know, I take whatever the hell my role is in this in this Nick's verse. I take it seriously. And I'm like, I really do try to always be objective about this stuff. Yeah. And like, I just don't know that I could do it anymore. It's it's really become very difficult to imagine a world where I have to continue to root for this person. And I I I think you can sense. Uh, you know, you feel that as someone on the outside, like imagine oh, what his God. teammates are dealing with on a day-to-day basis with the roller coaster of emotions and the, and I'm not saying he, he doesn't occasionally support his teammates in practice. He may be talking them up. I don't know, but I'm also convinced that he is not, he has not been a good teammate this year. I, we've seen enough to know that he has uh, just been a roller coaster of emotions all year. He has not been outwardly supportive on the floor, especially when he's got like rookies out there, like yeah. rookies, like Jericho Sims. How many times have you seen him put his arms out at a guy who missed the rotation? Who's a rookie? Like, how about an arm around him? How about like, Hey man, like let's get him back. Like it's just poor. It's outwardly poor leadership. Like we don't know everything that goes on. I'm not comfortable saying he's a, he's a bad teammate. I am comfortable saying like, he certainly hasn't been a a good one. Like, and I think we've seen enough to to be able to say that. We've watched enough basketball games and seen enough good leaders 
Um, even ones that aren't like rah, rah leaders, but like we've seen enough good leaders to know that this is not an example of that. And I, there's no question the team has been dealing with this distraction and this person, this cloud hanging over the room all year long. Um, and I, I, that's not even mentioning the fact that he's just been awful. So <laughs> we're not talking about the basketball. Right. Before part. we get to the fact that he's been, you know, with Russell Westbrook, maybe the, it's, one of, you know, the worst it, high usage player in the league. It's him and it's him and Russ. And, and, and one who hasn't been able to adapt to, you know, to lower the usage and be productive and be a supporting player, which and be eventually willing. he'll have to be on a good team anyway. So like the idea that he can't do that is extremely discouraging. He had a three game stretch where it was like, Ooh, Julius, he's screening hard. He's rolling. He's making plays, quick decisions. I did a whole thread about it. I called it the Randall sons. I was really excited about it. And then after it, it literally it's gone. It's gone. It's purely elbow post-ups and dribbling the air out of the ball and not making defensive rotations. It's over. He's, I thought I was seeing things against the Bulls, Benji. I'm like, there has to be something I'm missing. Maybe I do need to go watch the film three or four or five because I was watching <laughs> the game and I'm like, that, like, and you know the plays I'm talking about where he'd be in the vicinity and it's just like, what are you, what are you, what are you looking at? What are you doing? What, what, I, and I, I don't know. And and, and Jericho, Jericho sprints out for no reason, probably. And the ball gets lobbed to Vucevic and he's open for a layup. And instead of Randall saw it coming a mile away, he's already complaining about the bad rotation by Sims instead of doing something about it. He's standing right there. Like yeah, you, I think the guy's a rookie. And, he's a rookie. And fa- right, he's a, foul the guy. Foul Vucevic. You're right there. You don't have to just watch him make a layup and then look at Sims like he made a mistake. Like we like it's just it's the. Uh, and like, I, I feel like I've defended Randall to the extent that like, and I, and I know you were in the same boat where it's like, okay, we know how talented he is. We know he draws yeah. doubles. He still made some good passes yesterday. Like, it's not like he's not doing anything good out there, but there is now overwhelming evidence that he has not been a helpful player, that he is not allowing his teammate. He's not deferring when he needs to be deferring. He's not complimenting people by, by doing the little things on a basketball court that help make a team better. Yeah. Um, and I just, he has to go. And I, I, I don't want to give up assets. I don't want to take on Russell Westbrook or anybody else that I don't want to see play basketball. And I, but that said, Russ has one year left. I was <laughs> right. So like, kill me now. If I have to watch him play a basketball game for the Knicks, but like buy him out, sit him for a year. I don't care. It's, it's it, it, Russ. Give me the mascot. The Knicks have never had a mascot. He can do fashion shows at halftime. I don't care. But like, I, I, I can't, this guy has just dragged this team down this year. And uh, the coach has not done a good job helping to no. eliminate that issue. No, it's festered all year long. Yeah. He protects him in press conferences. He, to the point where to the, I get that, I, to the I, point I, where, I get oh, that. But do you get him saying that shot clock violation? That was a great yeah. pass by Julius. No, that's too okay, that far, was- Tom. <laughs> That went over the line. That's like, too far. Somebody, somebody, but, somebody like tagged me about that. He, you know, we talked about like Julius got 13 rebounds and like reference to uh, play. Like I, I actually, I actually admire him for lying through his teeth and he, but he knows like Tom's not stupid, you know, but I don't know. I, I, it's like he's complimenting him for, at least it was a dead ball turnover. Should they start complimenting him for live ball turnovers? Like, I don't understand where this ends. Like, no, he's just been awful. And the if coach that guy was wearing the opposite that, uniform, that would have been a great pass. That's yeah, what you right. guys are missing. There yeah, he said he said a great screen for quickly on that last play by standing at the elbow and asking for the ball. Really phenomenal stuff. It was deception. And, and, and you're seeing both quickly pass. and RJ have started rejecting his post ups, which they never did last year. Oh, last no. year, if Randall posted a switch, you threw it every single time. I've you seen have a multiple. Choice. I've seen multiple plays now where they've faked towards the post and rejected it and made a play going the other way. And I'm sure Julius is not thrilled about that. And you know what? Sayonara. Like I, it's, this has been, um, it's just been a year from hell with him. And I, I get the, you know, the ham sandwich, like you don't, again, you don't want to take on the worst contracts in the league and you don't want to give up assets to get rid of him. I would not be upset if the Knicks did so. Obviously, to some, you know, there's a limit. But I, I even if it was Russ for a year, if I didn't, yeah. again, if I didn't have to watch Russ every game next year, I'm not doing that. I'm not. I'm quitting the. I'm quitting the the game 
if I have to watch Russell Westbrook play every game, but if they brought him over and whatever bought him out or sat in there to be a cheerleader or whatever, I don't care, but I think I'm okay with it. It's gotten to that point, which I hate saying, but it, it just is what it is. We better sign you to a multi-year contract. You're, you're like you're like Jericho Sims, except for the much higher. I'll cover salary. Westchester full time. Maybe Deuce will be there. I live close by, and That's I'll just watch. Gonna... I'll watch Deuce in Westchester every game and never have to see Russell Westbrook. No, I, I mean, but like, I look. We don't have to continue on about this, but like, the, the scary thing is like you look at the big contracts around the league, and like the scary thing is like there really aren't that many okay you brought up russ like russ is the obvious one like you could throw uh, you know yeah. those contracts aren't even remotely similar by the way russ is making what 40 it's so it's so it, it's different yeah, so, level of bad <laughs> no so you're talking so you're talking about all of a sudden um julius randall and evan fournier who right guess what lakers <laughs> the lakers would walk to new york to to oh my god they'd on. love for it would be great for them great yeah. for them that's exactly the kind of player they need exactly you know, and Julius with LeBron, I you know, I bet if there's one guy who could get him to, you know, uh, straighten up a little bit, um, I bet it's him. So they would do that in RP. But like putting that aside, um, there really is not that many like like the, here's a funny one. Like you think Cleveland's going to trade an expiring Kevin Love for Julius Randle? Not in a million years would they bring Randle into that situation to 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 to, to play behind Evan many, Mobley and Jared many, Allen. They have too many big guys anyway. Yeah, they have too many big guys anyway. So you're gonna have Julius Randle pouting there as a six. I'm just using an absurd example. Like, yeah, you know, there's there's really the the one that I keep coming back to, and um, I don't, I have no idea if this would ever take place, but at least it has come to mind is um is Gordon Hayward, and I oh, I would love that guy. I would love that guy even for the 35 games that he's gonna play next year. I'd still love that guy. That's I'd still love that guy. That's the name, and then and then the other team to look at and. I don't know who's asking for for assets here back, but um, is Indiana who has both Brogdon, who I know you like, I like too. Um, they also have Buddy Heald now. Speaking of salaries that are not great, but like again, Buddy Heald on your team is a lot more palatable than what we have to watch with this guy. Elite shooting is elite shooting, even yep. with all the other crap that he brings. He's one of the best shooters in the league. Yeah. You know, and then uh, and then and then we get into the uh, the Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, portion of the discussion, which is where we are going to sign off because I am not about to have the, the Hardaway Julius. three-peat. The Bring Hard- it back, number three. That time's a charm. Come on, here we go. I'd do that in a heartbeat too. Heartbeat. Yeah, I, I'm desperate. Look. look, and 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 it's um, it's you never want like I I, I my my guess is that nothing happens because this front office is very asset conscious. I don't know, man. I, but that said, if these reports are true, I'm almost hoping that they're true. I almost hope that he forces their hand. Oh, I would love it if they're true because if he forces their hand and they're not going to get great value um, and they may have to give something up or take something on that they don't want to do to what they don't want to, but uh, I don't want to see that. Like I, it's been three years of a, the craziest roller coaster in the history of fandom. And I am, I'm ready to get off the ride. Just ready. I think they look, I think there's a trade out there that they could find. Is it, is it Eric Bledsoe? You know, um, sure. I, <laughs> Souped up Alfred Payton. Literally. It's actually whatever. But made two all defense teams in his career. How about that guy? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh goodness. Yes. That's where we're at. We're going to end this with Julius Randall for Eric Bledsoe. Okay. Uh, Benji, I will say this. I think this is probably the last time we're going to talk during the season. Um, as as wonderful it is as it has been to see you emerge as, for my two cents, the best analysis out there on this team. Um, it is. I, I will get personal for a moment and, and say it is. Um, but even nicer to just like meet you and get to know you and kind of become friends with you with you this year. So uh, if nothing else, the 2021-22 Knicks. Uh, you know, it, it, it did that. So I will always be thankful to them for that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anything you want to plug promote for uh, likewise, man. Thank you for the opportunity and being able to come on. It's obviously, um, done a lot for my exposure and people have gotten to see me that, you know, my stuff that hadn't before. And it's just, uh, it's, it's really cool to be part of part of this part of next film school. Um, I've enjoyed it a lot. So thank you. Uh, things to plug. Yeah. I'm going to, uh, get a next film thread out there on OB soon 
on the last, I don't know, whatever, five, six games that I haven't covered yet on a different uh, film school. So that he's my next uh, project. I've, I'm already in the works, got some good clips in there. Probably going to focus on his movement and how it kind of greases the wheels of the Knicks offense. He brings kind of a unique dynamic in that way. So I'm excited about that. Um, I'm excited to read your newsletter on the Wiggins RJ thing. I have a article that's been in like my archives that I've been like dying to write. That's comparing the two players with some films. So maybe I'll use it, use your, um, use your newsletter as a jumping off point. So, I don't get into the weeds on, on like, I just, I bit it's a pretty straight, like couple of numbers here. And yeah. Just, like, there's the some really cool things. Yeah. Cause Tibbs obviously coached Wiggins at a similar time and actually ran very similar actions, identical actions to what he runs for RJ. So oh, okay. there's really a lot to kind of uncover there. And I've been, it's been in my, drafts like very on the very early stages, but I will hopefully get that out for the Strickland at some point in the next couple of weeks, if I can get to it. So those are my plugs. Thanks again, man, for having me. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. The pleasure is all mine. Um, and before uh, we go, um, I am going to actually plug something that has nothing to do with the Knicks or actually basketball. Um, and that is uh, our friend Bernardo Zorowski's website, um, the invention of dreams.com. Um, I know you're not a movie buff, Benji, but for anybody out there who does care about movies and maybe cares about what happened at the Oscars the other night, um, he had two great pieces um, post uh, on his site. Again, the invention of dreams.com. Uh, one of which is by friend of the pod and friend of Nick's film school, Ray Marcano, in which he discusses the, the Will Smith incident. So if you're interested in reading some, some good thoughtful writing on um what happened the other night, like I said, at the Oscars, go over to the invention of dreams.com. You will be supporting um, uh, a Knicks fan. Uh, so uh, that's always a good thing. Um, that's it. That's all I have to say. Of course, if you like this pod, feel free to go ahead and give it a uh, five-star rating, drop a review, the whole thing. And we will be back with you for more fun and games very soon. Peace out. Peace out.